Welcome to the Growth Exponential Podcast. And today we're joined by a very special guest from Down Under, Director of Programs at Shalom College, Rabbi Alon Meltzer. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure. It's not get to speak to people that are calling from Down Under. So forget the, for, forgive the humor in advance. Um, no, no problem, no problem at all. So I'm super excited to hear your story and about your background and what led you into the nonprofit space. And of course, as well as the work that you have going on at Shalom. So let's start off with your story. Uh, let's hear it. Awesome. Look, I'm actually from under down under. I grew up in New Zealand, um, which is about 2,000 kilometers off the coast of Australia. It's a very small community, very small Jewish community, and a very small population in general, about 5,000 Jews. And I have wanted to be involved in community since the get-go. At age three, I decided I wanted to be a rabbi. And from that moment, I involved myself in every aspect of community, whether it was uh, the Shul uh, Children's Program, B'nai Akiva, Habonim, two of the Zionist youth movements. I was involved in the board of management of the shul uh, would work very closely with the rabbi. I was involved with the student politics organizations or just anything that I could get my hands on, uh, I engaged myself. And throughout my life, I'd always wanted you know, to do different things. So at one moment, I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to be a, a chef and I wanted to you know, do X or Y, but always came back to still having the rabbinic path. In 2010, I was very lucky uh, after completing both my undergraduate and my first master's degree to head to New York where I studied at Yeshiva University. And in that moment, I was open to a world of Jewish learning and Jewish inspiration by a broad spectrum of thinkers. And I really latched on to some key significant rabbis, uh, especially Rabbi Jeremy Weider, who showed me that there was really a, a place for modern thinking uh, within the Jewish world. In 2014, I moved back uh, to this side of the world and became the inaugural rabbi of the Canberra Jewish community. Uh, Canberra being the capital of Australia, it allowed me uh, to engage with a community that was uh, 60 years old, had not had a rabbi before, uh, but also to work across a broad spectrum of Jews uh, and regular society. So I was able to connect deeply with my community and the community there was very interesting because it effectively it was a JCC where there was this umbrella organization that housed both an Orthodox and a reform congregation, as well as many secular members. And I was the rabbi for all of them. I ministered in the Orthodox community, but I was teaching, giving pastoral care, educating children across the broad spectrum of the community. At the same time, uh, being in the capital, I was able to really uh, work closely with both the government, uh, the federal government, and also the diplomatic community. And this opened my eyes to bigger and broader organizations who work for the betterment of the Jewish world. After uh, a couple of years in Canberra, I had the opportunity to attend the Nachum Goldman Fellowship as a, as a fellow. Uh, and the Nachum Goldman Fellowship is part of the Memorial Foundation for Jewish Culture. And through that experience, I realized that in 2000 and I think it was 2016, but in 2000, you know, in this, in this generation, in this era of the world, involving oneself as a rabbi in a micro community is not enough. And from that moment, I set myself on a path to move to engage with both micro communities. So with the micro, with 
people and engaging one-on-one -on -one with people, but also looking very, clear, very seriously at the macro. Uh, and that's what led me to Shalom. Uh, so when we finished up in Canberra to you know, thinking about where we would go next, we made the decision to, to come to Sydney so that I could work with the shul, but also work with an organization that touches tens of thousands of people every year. So you really, some, from a young age, knew that you wanted to be a rabbi. I mean, since the age of three. Yeah, like it's it's been the dream. You know, it's it's it was the it was what we what we call the calling. Um, and for me, it was about engaging with people. And I think of my mentor Avi Orlo, who gave me this mantra of push, pull, and hold. That we need to push people to really get out there and move out of their comfort zones uh, and engage with our texts, with our tradition, with our history. We need to pull people in. We need to really embrace them. Uh, and we need to you know, gather the tribe. And then we need to hold them. We need to be there for their good times and their bad times. I always saw my Rabbanus as a, as a very traditional path, standing at a pulpit, uh, but realized very quickly that if you want to do those three things, if you want to push people, pull them, and hold them, you need to look bigger. Wow. Rabbi Orlo is uh, an inspiring man. I've never, I've never heard that push, pull, and hold. That's yeah, pretty, he's uh, incredible. That's pretty awesome. Who else are some of the folks that have, uh, that have really inspired you throughout your, your childhood and adulthood into the position that you are now? You know, my mom was a big, is a big uh, push. And I know people always talk about their parents, but my mom, uh, I'm not going to go into all of this, but went through a, a number of different trials and tribulations throughout her life from before I was born all the way through, you know, 10 or so years ago. And my mom has been a constant inspiration. She's constantly pushed me and my siblings to strive for excellence in whatever field we choose. Um, and so she's definitely you know, a key inspiration. I obviously don't tell her that enough. So hopefully she'll listen. You know, my community rabbis in Shlichim from Benakiva were really inspirational and you know, gave me the, I suppose, the foundation blocks to continue on this path. They, they really did push me in ways. And, and they really guided me. As I said, Rabbi Jeremy Weider, my Rosh Shiva, an incredible person who takes the idea of Torah Umada, of Torah learning and academic uh, integrity so seriously. He was an incredible inspiration. And a lot of the faculty of the Nachum Golden Fellowship really inspired me. Rabbis like Rabbi Saul Berman, uh, Rabbi Jenny Friedman, who's the current executive vice president, JJ Schachter, you know, incredible personalities who, without the fellowship, I would not have had the chance to really connect with. Uh, and they have been constant sources of inspiration uh, over the past like five or so years. Wow, remarkable. And so this led you now into where you are as the program director at Shalom. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the activities and what the mission is of Shalom? No, Shalom is a really interesting place. So we're in a very lucky position. We have a residential college, sort of like a Hillel, that operates here. And primarily it's for non-Jewish residents. And through that, we're, we have, you know, that creates funds and we're able to, and, and also we have the support of the Jewish Communal Appeal, which is an, like sort of like a federation model. And through both of those, those streams of revenue, we've been able to reinvest back into the Jewish community. And so... The mission of the department that I run, uh, which is just Shalom, is to increase the vibrancy and engagement of the Sydney Jewish community by fostering Jewish life and learning in an, in an inclusive way. Um, and we create programs that span the age demographics of zero to 120 and also tap into people's natural habits. So we are, for example, the conduit 
to PJ Library. We operate PJ Library here in Australia and also now in New Zealand. We run Limud. Uh, we've created the Sydney Jewish Writers Festival. We have a professional development program. We have social programming. We're about to launch an urban agricultural uh, and environmental sustainability program called Adamama. Uh, we run Moshe House. Basically, we're, we're taking and leveraging a whole lot of different concepts that are available in the world, both Jewish and not Jewish, and bringing them here, creating our own spin and ensuring that they, you know, they're fit for purpose for the Sydney Jewish community. The organization sees around between 16 and 24,000 people every single year in face-to-face -face engagements. And that is, you know, sometimes that's, you know, one engagement or others it's two or three. Last year, we saw approximately 10,000 unique individuals over the course of 2018. Just to put that into context for your listeners, that is a quarter of the Jewish population here in Sydney that we are engaging with. And so when I think about our team, we've got a, a very small team of five full-time equivalent uh, employees, plus myself. And we're out there every single day in the trenches, engaging in building relationships, building community, creating conscious engagement with, with Jewish life and learning. And, you know, as I said a bit earlier, this is my Rabbanus. I, I, I see this as, as me going out and engaging. And that's, and that's really been a key factor for me. Wow, that's mind-blowing. What is, what is something that you're excited about for this upcoming year? We've got our biggest project uh, to date. It's, I want to say that it's perhaps the biggest public event of Judaism outside of the land of Israel in history. We have leveraged uh, through our strong relationship with Reboot, an organization obviously in, in America, and we've leveraged their concept of Sukkah City that they did in Union Square in 2010. Um, and we've partnered with Sculpture by the Sea, which is a huge outdoor sculpture exhibit, has about 110 sculptures on the most famous beach in the world, from Bondi Beach through to Tamarama Beach, about a three and a half kilometer walk. And through taking the concepts of the philosophy of the sukkah, whether it's homelessness, displacement, permanence, environmentalism, we have created a team of architects to reimagine what a sukkah could look like and have been offered the central location, 90 square meters, what is that, 280 something square foot of land in their central park to have six Sukkot. They're absolutely mind-blowing. And our whole, we've run a whole program around engaging people with texts. So it's not just that they come to the exhibit, but that they engage with texts. Over the course of the two and a half weeks of the exhibit, 500,000 people will come and see the, uh, and engage with the Sukkot and with the, our podcasts and with our Spotify playlists as they do their morning run. It's mind blowing and it's radically changing the way in which people perceive ritual and reimagine texts uh, in the Australian Jewish community. So what are, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. What are, what are the needs of Shalom? Like what are, what are the issues that y'all face? Now our, our biggest challenge is that we, we're an organization that is deeply focused on customer centric design. We care, perhaps, perhaps even to our disadvantage, but we care deeply about what the audience wants, what they need, and we try and meet the trends uh, that are happening for, for our participants. And so I suppose our biggest challenge is ensuring that we're on top of what our customers want, that we're constantly iterating and reiterating and innovating and pioneering in order that we can end up with a product uh, to embrace and engage our audience. When I think of the Sydney Jewish community, you know, there's this lack of depth within the, within the community of, of Jewish textual knowledge. And so it's thinking about how we can take the customer-centric design, all of those wants and needs of our participants, and then frame them in very 
deeply Jewish spaces and with, you know, with text, with, with engagement to text, with engagement to knowledge and wisdom spanning the thousands of years uh, that we have. I, I, I'd say that those are our two biggest uh, pieces that we've got to, to work on and, and, and to continue to work on and it will be an, you know, an infinite challenge. That's remarkable. So being agile to serve your audience's needs. And so how, my next question is towards the end of this, how, how do people connect with you guys? How do people learn more about Shalom? So we, we're, we're very active on, on social media. So we've got a number of different uh, pages on Facebook, on Instagram. We've got a website that you know, garners a huge amount of traffic. But I think the, you know, the most important thing would be is face-to-face, is, is connecting with us either you know, by email or Zoom. You know, you're always, anyone's welcome to, to give me a call to hear what we're doing. Love to, you know, to, to learn and to, you know, to, to share trade secrets. So you can hit me up on Instagram, at, on LinkedIn or on Facebook, either way. Yeah, it's really about, it's about connecting and, and engaging. That's remarkable. So I want to thank you for being on the Growth Exponential podcast today and wish you tremendous success in all of your worthy endeavors. Bradley, thank you. Looking forward to hearing everyone else as well. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.